God is truly about healthy relationships. And a healthy church, if you hire a consultant to determine the health of a church, it is strictly, I mean, you, don't have to, you can spend your money to get a consultant to come in, but you can just go to the Word of God and you can get the answer and, and save the money. It is people who have healthy relationships that make a healthy church. So if we want to be a healthy, productive church that's increasing, we have to protect certain relationships. And the first relationship we have to protect is the relationship of marriage. It's a relationship of marriage. Because from marriage, you then have the measure of a man, the fragrance of a female, and then you have the strength of the family. And so it's very important as a church that we recognize that. Okay? It's to really protect relationships. And so God is a God of relationship. If you're taking notes or if you're just listening, that is a word right there for someone. That God is a God of relationship. And throughout the entire scriptures, we see a God who is passionately pursuing his people. That as far as they ran away from God, or as we see in Genesis chapter 3, hid from the presence of God, God was consistent in his pursuit of you and I. He has been consistent in the pursuit of Ian's heart, consistent in the pursuit of Emily's heart. And he will never stop pursuing you. You have to, in the word they call it apostasy, it, it's to, it's to apost- it means to just totally turn away from God. It, it's to abandon everything you know about God. It literally takes a decision like that. And even in that condition, God still is crying out. He wants a relationship with you. And so people who run away from God is one of the great mysteries to me. Maybe you figured it out, but I haven't. I I just can't comprehend how people can push away the love of God. There is a greater damage that must have taken place for them to, to push away God. And so because you really can't do that, we give birth to religious things that we replace for God. Because in every individual, every human being, there is what I heard, an, a vacuum, an, an openness, uh, or, an, or there's a hole that only God can fill. And so it'll be filled by something that you have a relationship with. It'll be filled with something that satisfies that relationship. And so I believe that it's important then for us to to go on this journey and to find out, God, how then do I restore relationships then? Because if God is the God of relationships, and I'm passionately pursuing God, and God is passionately pursuing me, how then do I restore relationships? Teresa just said something that was profound, and just being chewed out and just the enemy rearing his ugly head because he wants nothing to do with us. And so you must understand that the enemy is not playing. You cannot give him your home, and you cannot give him your heart. He masquerades, so he makes evil look good, so people just come in. But that's where the church has to live with even more discernment in these last days. We have to live with more discernment because he's coming more with, with cleverness. He's coming in with very great deception. He's coming in because he wants to get into your home to get your heart. That is what the enemy is after. He's after your heart. For the Bible says that when Judas was having a meal, that it says, and Satan entered into the heart of Judas. He entered the heart of Judas. 
And so that's why you've got to look at your life and look at your home. And it's not about all these rules and regulations. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because I want to be able to know, how do I restore relationships? How do I do that? Emma and Megan, um, we're going on 23 years of marriage, right? Okay, praise God. Look at my ring when, I, when, when uh, she said, hey, what do you want for your graduation um, uh, gift when I graduate from Bible college? And she said, I'm, I'm getting you a ring. What do you want on there? I'm like, well, why don't you engrave in the ring our anniversary? Praise God. <laughs> because it's so important to me. When were you married? Uh, let's see. You know, so it's, it's engraved there. So, uh, so this is about three years into our marriage. And uh, thank you, Holy Ghost, for that revelation. And um, we, we, we hit a, a time in our relationship where things just got dark. It got dark. I, I, I became confused. I, 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 um, I was confused as a young man um, with my father leaving me at the age of 13 years old and and, and longing for that father relationship. And it always seems that when I got around men, that they were always the rough men that I got around. That were just rough with me. And I'm like, God, what are you doing to me? You're, you're hurting me here. And what God was doing was he's bringing these men around who were rough. But the reason why I perceived that they were rough was because it was my own insecurities. So I now long to be around strong men because Men who are strong have confidence in God. Men who are arrogant, you can tell they lack something. So you can tell by how in their relationship with you, their relationship with God. So I got around all these men, and, and I said, you got to teach me, because in the absence of my father at the age of, of 13, I wasn't going to be someone who's going to use that and become a victim all my life. No, no, no. I wasn't going to be a victim of my environment. No, no. I said, hey, mom, you, you know, it wasn't your fault. Dad left, and, and you have all these children, and, and so, you know, we, we, got, we got metro housing. We got all these things. But, but I always said that, you know what? there's someone who's worse off than I am. So if I don't pursue success, if I don't pursue healthy relationships, I'm going to rob somebody who's living worse than I am to live in this apartment that I have. So it makes sense for me to pursue God and to gain success so I can get out of this environment to go into this environment so someone who's over here can step into this environment and so we continue to grow. That's why as believers, you have to desire growth. You have to. So any relationship that has fallen apart, you didn't grow apart because grow, to, to grow implies growth. You know what I mean? So no, you fell apart. There, there was something in that relationship that caused it to, to fall apart. So, so I wanted to grow. And so because of that, um, in, in my third year of, of our relationship, uh, in our marriage, I went, I went on this dark road of, of confusion, this dark road of, of, of trying to find things that would satisfy and it almost destroyed our marriage. It almost destroyed our marriage. And so I remember there was a time, Ian, when, when, when I, I got home and, and, and Meg wasn't there. And, and I'm sitting in the room and, I, and I'm playing, um, um, I, I'll be honest, I'm playing R. Kelly. And, and I'm like, you know, I'm just playing R. Kelly because I, I just needed some, some music. And I'm sitting in the corner and, and I'm playing R. Kelly. That's what I'm playing because I'm like, I'm in a dark spot here, Lord. I've got a relationship that needs to be restored. I'm in a dark spot right here. What am I going to do? And you can't stay in that place of darkness for long because it will lead to depression. 
So I got up and said, no, this is not who I am. And I made a decision. I said, God, how can I restore this relationship? And I said all that because of a statement Megan made as she was going through this restoration process with me. And she says, how can I love somebody I can't trust? So last night, she's here in the office and doing an amazing job as the executive pastor here. Just doing an amazing, 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 amazing job. I'm telling you, all of what you see, it's her. If she wasn't on board with this thing, it wasn't going to work. So we said, did God speak to us? I said, one second. Hmm? <laughs> okay, yep. Yep, he spoke. Yep, uh-huh. Right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, because last time we were pastoring, um, she didn't want to go. And I'm like, babe, we're the pastors. We're the one hosting the guests. We got to go. Cannot go. You know what I mean? We're the pastors. Okay, God, I guess she's not ready. Let's change this thing. And, uh, but God did the work. And, and so she asked me that question. So yesterday, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the office. And I said, babe, can I ask you a deep question? She goes, sure. How did you overcome that, honey? How did you get to a place of loving me again when you couldn't trust me? She goes, oh, that, that deep question. My God, <laughs> she didn't think it was going to be that deep. Because what I saw was a restoration of relationship that we experienced in the last 20 years of our marriage. And what God has put together, nobody, no devil, no demon, no discouragement, nothing will separate. And if that's the case between her and I, when it comes to God and myself, not even Megan will be able to destroy that relationship. And that's where God wants us to be right now. Every single one of us. He wants our relationship to be so intact. He wants our relationship to be so connected to God that the enemy's lies, the enemy's lies, the lies of the enemy, the voices of the enemy that tries to discourage you have no room in your house and no room in your heart. Has no room in your heart and has no room in your home. So in the times when you find yourself in darkness and depression, God is saying, no, no, no. I have restored a relationship with you that nothing can separate. And here's why. And here's why. Isaiah chapter 12. Turn your Bibles, please, to Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2 and verse 3. How the living water works. Isaiah chapter 12. How many know that some of your co-workers, some of your friends, some of your family members, their lives are dry? Their lives are empty. They have no hope. They get up in the morning time, they go to sleep, they go about their day, and their lives are dry. There is no joy whatsoever in their lives. And in their pursuit of happiness, they miss out on the joy that God has for them because joy is found in a relationship, not found in riches. It's found in relationship that makes you rich. So in Isaiah chapter 12, reading from verse 2 and verse 3, the King James says, Behold, God is my salvation. He says there, Behold, God is my salvation. Behold, God is my salvation. So salvation speaks of a relationship. So God is my salvation. The Greek word soteriology. It, it's, it's, the, it's the restoring back of a relationship that once was, once was intact. 
So when God restores us, he brings us back to the original design. But it's for us to walk in that relationship, to come to a knowledge of that. So we think when God restores us, we're just restored back two months, restored back three months. No, God brings all the way back to his original design. That's very important to understand how water works, right? Watch this now. He says, because of that, I will trust and not be afraid or fear. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He is also, he also is become my salvation. So when that's a reality, right, when you have a relationship like that, what is the result? What is the evidence of that relationship? Verse number three, it says this. Look at verse number three. So we can know somebody if they're walking in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, therefore, with joy, that word joy is the Hebrew word means rejoicing, shall you draw water out of the wells or the foundation of that salvation. So watch this now. So if God is your salvation, right, the day you gave your heart to Jesus, he's saying this, in your journey, in your day-to-day operations, in all of your relationships, when it seems like you're getting low because you want to be filled with the Spirit, you don't want to give any room for the enemy, so you want to live in the overflow, right? You don't want to live from the water that goes up to here. You want to live in the overflow of God because a lot of people live on fumes, and so they come to church with fumes, and so when they get here, they're empty. But when you live in the overflow, you come with an expectation. Why? Because you have a relationship with the one who causes the overflow. And so what happens now is when you live in the overflow, you never want to get empty. You never want to just get this much. You always want to live, someone say overflow. You always want to live in the overflow. Why? Because my relationship with Megan requires me to live in the overflow. Because when I live in the overflow, I live and see Magon as God sees her, and I'm continuing to restore a relationship that will never get dry then. So it's not like when I was married to her and we were, so when we were dating, I would do all these things. And all of a sudden, now we get married, I stop doing those things. No, no, no. When you live from the overflow, you still open the door. Come on, somebody. And you still become a gentleman. You still do things that speaks of this desire and this love you have for, uh, for her and for your children and for people that are in your life, you know, your family members. And so what happens now is uh, with joy. So I'm doing the thing for God, but I always go back to this fountain of living water. I always go back to the place because I made this declaration, only you satisfy God. So I come back to this place, not of religion, but I come to a place of a relationship. Big difference. I come to this place of a relationship where I drink from God and I drink on the promises of God and the expectation of God. So I live in the overflow so I can now become a watered garden to all those people around me. And that's what the church is supposed to be. And that's why every single one of these chairs will be filled when we comprehend the beauty of a relationship with Jesus Christ and that he's about restoration. You will see this place filled. There's no, all the churches in Marin are not enough to handle all the people who are dry out in the world who are looking for joy. There isn't enough church. There isn't. So we're going to continue to plant church. Why? Because there's so many people out there that must understand if you want salvation, if you want satisfaction, it is not found out here. It is found in this place here where you can now drink from the fountain of living water. From living water. I was driving today and we were coming in and, 
and, and we got to the parking lot, and, and the Lord showed me something. Uh, and so Ian w- was, was coming in, and he's wearing his uniform. He, he's coming in, and I pull in. And last week I talked about David and his, and his mighty men. And, and, and I talked about how, how David had men who, who were so committed to him that he just said, I thirst. I want some water from the wells of Bethlehem. That they went, and it wasn't just, let me go get it. They had to fight to go quench the desire of their leader. And so here they went, they fought and got the water and brought it back to David. And David pours it out unto the Lord and says, oh my goodness, what kind of commitment is that? That you would risk your life just out of a thought if I can just quench my thirst. That speaks of a relationship that is so deep. Come on, when people are willing to fight for you, when people are willing to lay down their life for you, that speaks of a relationship that's got to be connected to God. It has to be that. So I pull in now, and I'm like, God, can you imagine leading a church like that? And what an honor. And, and, and I'm humbled every single Sunday and every time that I get to lead not only a beautiful people, but a blessed people. And so I'm coming in now, and, and I'm seeing Ian coming in, and, and we pull up at the right time. He comes in, and here he is now. We're like, hey, wh- where you come from? He goes, I, I worked this morning, and I'm here because of a relationship with God. Watch this now. And I'm like, yes. I'm like, God. And he lifted my spirit. I'm like, God, thank you. Someone who desires you. And because, and I pray, his desires for God, it encouraged me. Come on. So his relationship with God that made him make a decision to be in the house of God lifted my spirits. So keep drinking from the fountain of living water. Live in the overflow, Ian, because if we live in the overflow, you're going to bless so many people. Because when people experience joy, someone say joy. Joy. Come on, we need joy. We need joy. Let me give you a couple examples of why it's important that we understand this concept of trust. This whole concept of trust. Okay? So April, I believe it was in the month of April 2014, let me get my notes. April 2014. I believe that that's when um, uh, Flint, Michigan uh, made a decision to, to no longer get water from, from Detroit, who got it from Lake Huron, but they decided to tap into the polluted river uh, of the Flint River. So to save money, they decided with one switch. And as a result of that water that went into the homes... So when polluted water went into the home, it caused a relationship issue with Flint, Michigan, and the city. One decision to cut costs created a situation that led to lead being in the water that we don't know the damage that it may have or already have on the children who can no longer shower or drink the water because of a decision that was made by an organization. And as a result of that now, trust now is eroded, no pun intended. But that's exactly when pollution gets to a pipe, it erodes values, it erodes things that brought health, and all of a sudden now trust is a big issue, and they're not living with joy, they're mad. They're angry. Because one decision led to a decision that affects their family. So that was one thing. So the, the mayor got involved, the governor got involved, and even, even what happened made the president of the United States make a trip there. Whenever the president goes to a situation, you know it's bad. 
you know it's bad when he's got to go there and bring some sort of, you know, uh, uh, organization and, 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 you know, and drink it. And even the governor was taking the water and said, look, you can trust. I'm going to drink the water. To prove to the people you can trust the water. So here's what it is now. So, so watch this now. So he says, to establish trust, and I quote, always, you, to establish trust, always meet face to face. If you're going to establish trust, you always want to meet face to face. Exodus 33, verse 11. Go to Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. Exodus 33, verse 11. Mm-hmm. So here they are now in Flint, Michigan. They said, using a public water supply for drinking or for bathing is a decision that each and every one of them have to make every day based on trust, science, and other factors. That's how they're living, Karen. Every time they decide to wash their children, to shower, to drink water, they got to decide, hmm, do I trust the science and other factors there? Every deci- Can you imagine living like that? Every decision. So they got to wait on an organization that comes, that tests the water, says, okay, yeah, we're still good. The, the levels of the, the lead in this water level, they're so low, the water is safe to drink. That's how they have to live every single day with that formula. And it said the trust issue is critical and cannot be underestimated. I'm going somewhere with this. So watch this now. In Exodus 33, verse 11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. God would speak face-to-face with Moses. What a relationship, Steve. God would say, what's up, Emily? Come on, talk to me. Face-to-face. Wow. And he says, as a friend. That's how God, that's the relationship that Moses had with God. Amazing trust that was there. Amazing trust was required. And so we can see from there, but I also like the latter part of this. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. Joshua was like, hold on a second. If this guy knows how to connect with God, I'm going to connect with Moses. Come on. And just the overflow will cause me to be blessed. So when Moses got out of God's presence, he glowed so much that he had to cover his face because being in the presence of God. And when you hang around people who know how to get into the face of God, they're going to glow and you just being around them. Good God Almighty. You're going to get the overflow of what God is doing. The overflow in your life. So when you have healthy relationship first with God, when you have a healthy relationship with others, they're going to see the glory of God in your life and they're going to say, I just want to hang around with you. And that is what makes the church attractive. One of the number one reasons why people come to church is because of friends. A friend invited them to come to church. He says, won't you come to church with me? And here it is now that Moses having a connection with God, and they talk as friends to friends. So when you invite someone to church, say, hey, come on, I want you to meet my friend, God. Some of you can't even just say that because you think of my relationship. No, come on, you can talk to God like that. Hey, I want you to come meet my friend, God. Now, because I trust him, I have a healthy fear. So it's not just this. Friend, friendship, you know what I mean? Because I tell Danny and Lisa all the time, I say, listen, I ain't your friend. What I mean by that is I'm your father. 
And in that relationship now, we have this friendship that takes place from there. So there's a healthy understanding of God and who he is and why we can establish that he's our friend. So I'm not saying this, frankly, some of the way we treat some of our friends. No, you can't treat God that way. Okay? I'm talking about a healthy understanding of who God is. And that's the kind of relationship that, that he had. So watch this now. In the political realm, in the political realm, the conservative or the Republican movement now has to decide on are they going to trust the presumptive nominee that, they have, that the people have selected. So here he's now meeting with, 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 with leaders in the uh, uh, Christian or evangelical movement to say, hey, we don't trust you. So let's have a face-to-face meeting. Because to establish trust, you've got to meet face-to-face. And listen to what one of the individuals says. He goes, the vast majority, and I quote, of Southern Baptists are very much where I am today. We're trying to figure this thing out. Can we trust this process or not? And listen to what he says. We're trying to navigate through these waters that are very uncertain and very difficult. That's what they're saying. That I don't know if I trust what's going on. So we're trying to navigate through these waters. And look at what's happening. Facebook, uh, one of their former staffers, made a declaration or, 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 or made a statement that said that every news that comes from a conservative uh, that's trending, they, they somehow eliminate that so, so people can't hear the conservative voice. And the, the CEO, the founder, co-founder of, of Facebook says, okay, we have to have a meeting. Because to establish trust, you've got to meet face-to-face. And they picked, I think it was 16 different uh, faces of conservatives, and they brought him in. They said, okay, so we want to meet. And there was no cameras. There, there was no agenda. The CEO showed up with representative. Hey, I want you to trust me, so I'm coming. I'm not sending a representative. I'm coming myself. I'm not going to send a representative. And the word became flesh. <laughs> and dwelt among us. Good God Almighty. Say, this one's personal. Come on. This one's personal. You can trust me. And the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Is what that word means when it says dwell. And so here comes the CEO. He comes and he says, okay, and he's hearing this. He's hearing the voices. Why? He says, it's profitable that we don't alienate a certain voice in society. And so they're wondering and they're asking, is this thing legit? Is it, is it fake? Is it real? What's the story? What, what, what is going on here? I say all that in the next few moments that I have to set you up to one of the greatest interviews ever recorded in the Bible where God told Jesus Christ, I have to sit on a specific assignment. Seven words that changed a woman's life and that changed a nation. Here he is now. Jesus steps into a world of great division. A world where nobody trusts each other. We have racial issue. We have this issue. We have political issue. We have all these issues. And the world is saying, who can we trust? And the church must wake up and say, I know how water works. Because you're dry and you're thirsty and Everything else is not working. But I know how water works. Oh, good God Almighty. And so, Jesus now, in the midst of that backdrop, says these words, I must 
go to Samaria. Not a geographical reason. It wasn't because of geography. Because of destiny. Because trust is critical to the saving of a nation. If you pull out your dollar bill and you turn it over, what does it say on there? In who? We. So our economy, our economy is based on trust. That even our credit rating as a nation is based on the ability for us and the strength of our dollar, the economy. And I've shared with you before, and I want you to listen to me, the word economy has nothing to do with currency. Yes, it became that, but the original understanding of the economy is stewardship of household. It is about the family. It is about relationship. It's about relationship. And so here is Jesus now, and he knows the backdrop between the Samaritans and the Jews. And in Luke chapter 9, I believe, Jesus was about to go through Jerusalem, and it said that when he got through this particular town or in Samaria, they saw that he was going to Jerusalem, and they wouldn't welcome him. Samaria, you can't come through here. Here's the son of God about to go to their city, and they says, no, you don't know the history. You don't know the history. And they wouldn't let Jesus and his entourage go through to establish what they had to do. And one of the disciples, I thought it probably was Peter, got prophetic. Do you want me to call down fire like Elijah did and consume them all? What kind of hatred is that? So let me, let me just say for the record, because we stand for righteousness, doesn't mean we hate people and want them to go to hell. We are trying to prevent fire from consuming you. That's why we are making our voice heard right now. We're not saying condemn. No, we're saying God change their hearts. God, let them experience your love. God, they are thirsty, and that's where they're going after ulterior lifestyle. It's because they're empty. There's no joy. There's no fulfillment. Come on, somebody. There is none of that. Right? There's none of that. They're not satisfied with that. And so here they were, and I'm going quickly, and, and Jesus says, no, you don't understand. The Son of Man came to serve. He didn't come to destroy men's life. He came to establish a relationship. He didn't come to destroy men's life. That's why when people come in here, this is the place of life. So, so when I walked in the cafe, I think it was probably three Sundays ago, uh, uh, Molly had got some tulips, and, and she put them on, on the cafe, and I walked, and I'm like, ooh, well, I like that. And, and so she wasn't here on Sunday, and I said, well, I'm going to duplicate that. And I went, and I proud of myself too. I went to the florist. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey, I need some tulips. And I was able to, to pick some out. And I said, babe, I got this. And I'm putting them all out there like that. And, and we had them out for Mother's Day. And it was beautiful. And, and so we came on Wednesday. And all of a sudden, those tulips that were standing upright um, were, were now leaning over. And I said, babe, are they dead? She said, no, they just need some water. Just put some more water in it and watch them come back to attention again. So the plants are connected to a relationship with water. And as people, we're connected to a relationship with water. Come on. And if people are hung over like this, come on, somebody. If people are hung over this way or they're bending over this way, it's because they need more water. And you are the watered garden that needs to pour your life into them so they can live. And I said this, we will always have tulips as long as I'm here. I said, God, give us the resource. So when you walk into this facility, you will never see dead things because we know how to work water. 
Come on, somebody. When you walk into the cafe and you see those tulips, you see the flowers, I'm like, come on, we know how to keep things alive because we know how to handle water. And I know there's a cost involved with that, but I'd rather people walk by, I'd rather people come in here and see that the moment I step into this building, I see life. Why? Because they know how to handle water. Someone say, I know how to handle water. Come on. I know how to handle water. Come on, somebody. Yes, 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 yes. Don't seek the living amongst the dead. We've got to have healthy relationships. We need water. That's all we need. We need water. And so I, and so I saw that. So this hatred was so deep that Jesus said, I have to go to Samaria. And so he goes and the Bible says he was tired from his journey. Oh, man, I love when I read that. There are times we get exhausted from And he got to the water. He just stood well. He just, he just laid there. Strategic, yes. But at the same time, we can see Jesus just says, I'm, I'm exhausted from the journey of having a relationship with men. I live in the overflow. And so he gets him to a place of where the overflow is. And he gets there. And the Bible said this woman... Of Samaria came up. Now, in biblical times in Israel, when they went to the well, it wasn't just a place that they got water to feed the animals and to, for all the different things they needed. It was a place of a social gathering as well. And so, in other words, you know, they wouldn't go by themselves. You know, females would go and they would all go there. Why? Because there's a relationship. So now we have two things with this story. We see the time that the lady showed up, which was 12 o'clock, and that's not when they would go and get water because the sun was out, and it wasn't the best time to get water. And the second thing, she came by herself. So we see two things right here. We see the timing is not right, and she's not in relationship. There's a place for relationship, and she came without a relationship. So in other words, every time, I believe it was Martin Luther King Jr. said that Sunday is the most segregated day in America. So a place we're supposed to be gathering is the most segregated time in America on Sundays. So there was something wrong with this relationship. And God says, I know how to restore relationship. I know how water works. Jesus, go. I must go to Samaria. And so she gets there. And she, she brings with her now, she brings with her what I call, so she has a pail, she has something to get the water with, but, but, but there's a bucket, and, and I was getting some pictures of the well, and there was, normally had this leather strap that was on there, and the bucket was there, and she would let down the bucket, and it would pull the water up, and she would take that bucket and pour into her container, and she would go back to her city, and she would pour water out to all those in the city. And then she would go by herself again, and, and get the water, and she would go, but this time was different. This time was different. And if you know the story, she sits there, and Jesus, now Caesar comes up, and Jesus says, hey, can you give me some water? He initiates the face-to-face, the trust, the face-to-face relationship. Hey, can I get some water? Speaking of the fact of, hey, I'm tired, and I'm thirsty, and I need some water. I'm tired, and I'm thirsty, and I need some water. I've tried everything, and nothing works. I'm tired, and I'm thirsty, and I need some water. And so she gets there, and all of a sudden now, Jesus says, can you, can you give me that? And she says, um, um, what are you, a Jew, associating with me, a Samaritan? She brings up the racial divide right there. Right there. She has the ability to have a restored relationship, and she acknowledges the pain. So first thing we have to do, 
to trust the relationship, we have to acknowledge the pain. I had to acknowledge the pain that Megan was going through for there to be any restoration process started. I had to acknowledge the pain that she was going through and give her the right to process that pain. I had to do that. And so you need permission to process the pain. Because being in a relationship is not easy. Being in a relationship requires an act of God, Leo, that transforms your heart. Because the pain, and so what happens is this. People are afraid to wear their hearts around their neck. And so they hide it in the coffin where it's cold and dark. And they live in dead things. But we've got to open up that coffin and call the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to resurrect and says, come back to life again. And you can trust again. And so here she was, she brings up the pain. And not only the pain of being a Samaritan, but she brings up the pain of being a woman. And Jesus says to her, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would have asked and you would give me a living water. And then she made a statement. Hold on a second here. What bucket do you have? Because I have a bucket of bitterness. But Jesus had a bucket of blessings. And so you have to make a decision this morning, church. Are we going to drink from the bucket of bitterness? Are we going to turn to the one who satisfies and have the joy as we draw from the well of salvation? And are we going to drink from the bucket of blessing, the overflow life? When you live in overflow, you live in a process. You live in a place where you're constantly receiving the blessings of Almighty God. Live from the bucket of blessing. And that's what Jesus was offering her, and that's what he's offering us this morning. He said, I want you to live in a place where you drink from this bucket of blessing. He says, this water that I give you. And here's the key. You will never have to come back to this place again the way you are. You will never have to come back again because what I give you will satisfy. What I give you will satisfy you. You will drink from this water you, because I know how water works. I'm going to make you now be restored back to me so you can go back now and pour out blessings. It's supposed to pour out pain. He wants us to pour out blessings. So as a church, here's what we're going to do now. As a church, we are going to, first of all, listen to the voice of God to be strategic in our relationships. We are going to now listen to the Father and some relationship that he's going to restore. You're going to think, God, it has to be an act of God. So you need, I need a face-to-face meeting with God. God, i got to talk to you in a minute. You want me to restore this relationship? Oh, we got to talk now. we got to talk. What do you mean, God? You don't know. You don't know the pain. Come on, you got to process that pain. Process that pain by looking to the cross. Process that pain by looking to the cross and seeing the nail prints in my hand and in my feet. And process that pain. Why? Because they are dry and they are thirsty. And you are the one who's living in the overflow. So I need you to take the overflow and bring it to them so they can understand my love, my compassion, my grace, my mercy, so they can be restored. That's all we need to be doing. That's what we're called to be doing. And so as we process the pain, we understand how water works. We understand that whole concept. And so here in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5, here it is. And I'm going to pray this over you now. And in the next five minutes, then we're going to be, we're going to be praying and we're going to release you. But watch this now. In Proverbs 20, verse 5, some translation says, the counsel of men are like deep water. Some translation has it, the purpose of men's heart are like deep waters. Okay? So the counsel... Or the purpose 
uh, in man is like deep water, but a man of understand, a person of understand knows how to draw it out. So when Jesus, watch this now in Proverbs 20, verse 5, when Jesus went to the woman, he says, guess what? You have knowledge of your pain, but I need for you to understand the process. For all things work together for good to those who love God who are called according to his purpose. Oh, let me say that again because I just felt the Holy Spirit says, teach that, Rowan. Watch this now. So watch this now. So here it is. So, so she had knowledge of the pain, but she had to understand the process. So she can get spiritual wisdom in knowing how water works. Most of the church will live in knowledge, and we can record the pain. But we have to understand the process for all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And once we have understanding, we can step into wisdom now. And wisdom is thing of the spirit, not things of the earth. So we can step into a relationship. And Jesus says this, the world would know that I'm authentic based on your unity. The credibility of my relationship with the world is connected to your credibility relationship with each other. So we need wisdom then on how to restore relationships and how water works. And so watch this now. So here was Joseph, called by God, given assignment of God. Here is Joseph now, selected, favored by the Father. <laughs> had a dream, had a vision, and shared. And all of a sudden, he had to go to the, the prison. He went to the pit. He went into all those different areas. And here he is now, and he had to understand the pain Crying out to God, God, I've been serving you. I've been doing this thing. I'm dry. I'm empty. But God says, no, I'm going to give a dream to that king. Come on, and you're going to understand how water works. Come on, somebody. And so I've got to get you into a place where you understand. I know you're going through pain, Joseph, but your name means increase. You live in the overflow. So get to a place of understanding so I can take you to a realm that you can sit amongst people of authority and you can speak prophetically to what is to come. Oh, God, thank you, Holy Ghost. What God wants, there's someone in this room that God wants to elevate to a place place where Joseph was elevated so you can speak to presidents you can speak to kings you can speak to people of influence and you can tell them how water works because the Egyptians magicians didn't know how water worked but he said I know a man he's in prison right now but God is working through him and he knows how dreams are should be interpreted and Joseph understood the dream of what came out of the Nile what came out of the water Joseph said it's a prophetic thing of what's going to happen about the economy of God and I go back to what I said from the beginning it's about the economy and God gave Joseph who understood relationships come on somebody who processed the pain and understood that okay the pain is hurtful but here's the purpose all things work together for good to those that love God to those who are called according to his purpose and and Joseph now, when Jacob died, they said, oh, we're in trouble now. Because I know Joseph has knowledge of what we did. But did he really understand the process? Holy Ghost, help me to slow down because I don't want you to miss this. He now goes and watches. this. The father dies. But they had to have a face-to-face -face with Joseph. And they said, no, send somebody else because he's in a position of authority. Joseph says, no, this requires face-to-face. -face. And they came and they're talking to Joseph now. And Joseph said this, what you meant for evil. Ooh, let me wipe the sweat off my head. Come on, somebody. What you meant for evil, God meant it for good for the saving 
of a nation. And so if America is to be saved, come on somebody. Church, we must understand the pain and we must acknowledge the affliction of some edicts that went out and affected the church, but it will not affect our relationship. Come on somebody. We will not be divided by issues. We will not be divided by situations. We will not be divided by lifestyle. No, baby. We know how to restore relationships and not under our watch. Why? Because we are building a legacy that is going to last. Oh, I feel God in this thing. You don't want to miss June. Come on, somebody. You don't want to miss Father in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for Gary and the word you're going to bring forth through him in this series. I pray, God, for a double portion of your anointed. I pray for a strength that even he will not believe, Lord God, that's going to come upon his body. And he's going to share what you have for this city, Lord God, and for this country in the name of Jesus. You receive that, Gary, in Jesus' name. Oh, come on, Molly, lift up your hand, lift up your hand, Molly, lift up. Father, I pray a blessing. I sense the prophetic flowing right now. The prophetic, lift up your hands. Father, I pray for increase, a double portion of the power of God. I pray for this dream team in the name of Jesus, that they, Lord God, because they understand relationships, they're willing to welcome people into their home, Lord God, because they understand relationship. And as a result of that, restore the strength, oh God, to this man. Restore the strength in the name of Jesus. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, worship God, worship God, worship God. Father, I thank you. The prophetic is flowing right now. We know how water works in the name of Jesus. Those who are watching by television, by watching it, by the media, I pray right now for a prophetic anointed to rest upon every single one of you. Come on, lift your hands, lift your hands. You too, lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a supernatural increase, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for such an increase in their life, God. Mm. They can't even handle it right now, God. They can't even handle it right now. But you will teach them to process the pain, God. Yes. Uh -huh. Yes, Lord, because they will change their generation. They can't run from it. You have put this together. What you have put together, no man will put asunder. You have put these two together to restore relationship. And in the name of Jesus, I pray that we'll always depend and drink from you, Lord God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray for Leo right now. I pray for a mighty blessing to be upon his life. Clean wash, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Rejuvenate, Father God, in Jesus' name. I pray for Elder Catherine. I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on. Go ahead and worship the Lord. Go ahead and praise and worship God. Now, let me end with this. Let me, let me launch you out with this. Let me launch you out with this. We know that restoration has taken place when our worship goes to God in spirit and in truth. We know that we've achieved the place of overflow when our worship is in spirit and in truth. And she hit Jesus with every knowledge of pain possible. And everything she hit him with, Jesus gave her understanding. And because of that understanding... The Bible says she dropped the bucket of bitterness. Come on, somebody. And she ran back to that city. And she says, come see a man that can satisfy and bring increase into your life. He taught me about worship in a dimension I've never experienced before. And I believe in the next few moments we have, just four more minutes. Get ready in four more minutes. I believe that your worship now 
is going to be an indication, it's going to be an evidence that you understand the restoration process of a relationship. And that you are going to worship and magnify the Lord. And those who are dry and thirsty are going to come because you're going to tell them, come see a man. Come see a man. It's got to be face to face. If you are going to trust him, you've got to see his face. And he is passionately pursuing you. And he sent me. I must go to so and so. I must go to Mary. And I must go God Almighty, I thank you. Watch this. 16 years ago, the Lord said, Rowan, I need for you to get on a Greyhound bus from Union Station in Toronto. Because there's a group of people in Marion that are crying out, Lord, we need you. Marion, you had the ability to uproot me and my family. 16 years ago, I'm sitting there in the city of Toronto, the city I love. And God says, get on that bus, Rowan, with your stuff. And my prayer today, God, is let Marin be on the map, not because of drugs, or because of heroin and drug use. Church, can you agree with me right now? Let Marion be on the map because we understand how water works. And we know what it's like to restore a city. They talked about Lincoln Field and restoring it back to its former glory. No, restore Marion, God, to the glory of Almighty God. Will you be the one who who would drop the bucket of bitterness and take up the bucket of blessing and go to your neighbors and go to your friends and start pouring it over them. How many were, were privileged or, or Facebook had that challenge about the, the bucket challenge, with the cold bucket and it was to raise money for, for a particular cause. Oh, you were nominated, you had to get a bucket and it was so influential that even Bill Gates the CEO, the wealthiest man in the world, even did it, but he made some contraption with his whole thing. Can we start a movement called the Bucket Challenge? Come on. That's prophetic right there. That instead of a cold water, we're going to pour out blessings. Pick five people. Come on. If you're on Facebook, it says, I want to pour out a bucket of blessing on you. I want to pour a bucket. Oh, yes, I know you're in pain right now, but take this water and process the pain. Process the pain. Process the pain. Because only he can satisfy. I now release you as missionaries in the city of marriage. 16 years ago, I was home about to celebrate an anniversary. And I said, babe, can I go? And I got on a 13-hour journey to come to this city. And I've been through pain. I've been accused of things. Come on, somebody. My integrity was questioned. But God says, "When well, you got to process the pain. Because I can't have you lead these blessed and beautiful people if you're going to come with pain. And so...
after 16 years, and me and you, Kathleen, I was part of it. You were crying. I was part of the bucket. We sat there at, at Applebee's, and it was such a refreshing. And your life was transformed, and so was my life, because you came thirsty. And here you are today, and God is saying, you have processed the pain. Yes, you have. Now go with that bucket. Oh, I sense the power and the presence of God. Hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on. Wave your hand in this place. Wave your hand in this place. Wave your hand in this place. I know how water works. Stay right there. Stay right there. Stay right there, guys. Stay right there. Stay right there. Stay right there. Right where you are. Right where you are. Right where you're seated. You are not leaving this place the way you came. You are leaving this place with the overflow of God's grace on your life. And people are going to say, you are not the same person three hours ago. And you're going to tell them, I had a face-to-face meeting with God. There it is. There it is. Right there. There it is. 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 Now, now this is worship in spirit and truth. Now I'm going to release you. No agenda. No agenda. I want you now to worship daddy because he has restored a relationship with you. You are now drawing from the well of your salvation with joy. So take 60 seconds while they play and sing or whatever in harmony they do and have your face-to-face meeting with your friend. Have your face-to-face meeting with your friend. And only then can you take the bucket of blessing. And go to your workplace, go to your home, go to your business, go wherever God tells you. He says, I want to tell you about the challenge. I want to pour this bucket of blessing on you because I know you're dry. I know you're thirsty, but I'm here to tell you, come see a man. Come see a man who's starting a movement. Come on, come on. Now go ahead and just worship. Go ahead and magnify the Lord. Come on, go ahead. Father, we worship you. We magnify you. We praise your name.